Hello and welcome to Emerge, Evolve, Lead, a podcast for people in recovery from addiction who want to be better leaders. I got clean and sober when I was 24, and then I started my corporate career. After several decades, I left that job and created Emerge Leadership Academy, where I train leaders and coach people in recovery who are ready to step up in their career. My name is Maureen Rosgem, and I'll be your host. My guest today is Amy Labassiere, and she has been sober for over eight years now. She is an artist and works with her husband, Dow, on public art projects in Hartford, Connecticut, plus a whole lot more. She used to run a retreat center, and she is certified in holistic health, among a bunch of other things. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about Amy's recovery journey. Welcome to the show, Amy. How are you doing? Great, Maureen. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to have you. Well, you know, we've met on LinkedIn a while back, or maybe it was even Facebook. We've been around in the same circles. We have so many common friends, and I'm just so glad to finally get to meet you and and really hear your story live. So um, let's get to it. But first, why don't you share a little bit about like what your life is like today? We know where you live, but what's your sobriety date? and, And, you know, what do you do for work and things like that? Oh, and the dog. Don't forget to tell us about your dog. I'll tell you about the dog too. Sure. (laughs) My sobriety date is May 5th, 2014. I have a sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor. I sponsor women and I work the 12 steps in my life. I like to live the 12 steps as we like to say in recovery circles. Um, Today in particular, I'm getting ready for a whole lot of artists to come to the gallery Hartford Art Space Gallery, my husband and I volunteer to run it. And we're producing the first art show we've had in over two years called Five. Yep. It's for you. Unjuried and unthemed. And what we like to do is hold space for artists who may not be able to get into exclusive galleries or juried shows, or maybe Mm -hmm. they don't have the funds to do it. And so we hang the, this 3,500 square foot gallery salon style, floor to ceiling, wow. and it's going to be amazing. So yes, we're very That's this weekend. Well, tonight and this weekend is drop off for artists. And then That's our it. opening reception is on the 23rd of June. And then okay. we're also part of Open Streets, the Domingo Project in Hartford, which is three to five miles of Hartford streets closed down and open to just pedestrians. And there's <sighs> going to be art and music and all sorts of culture filling the streets. And we'll be part of that as well. Ooh, I'm going to definitely have to go in for that. Awesome. Yeah. Good. And, and the dog? Well, my dog is BB. She is <laughs> almost somewhere around 17 years old. We don't know the exact date because she's a rescue. Blind and deaf. That's what I heard. I couldn't believe it when I read that. I'm like, what do you mean blind and deaf? How do you, you just love them up. They must like live in your lap or something. She finds her way. We have two rescue cats that are pretty young and they like to sometimes, Emmett likes to snuzzle up on her and Claude Monet likes to swat her. So they keep it interesting for her, but really she (laughs) navigates around the house. She's been sleeping a lot. So, you know, I just pick her up and remind her where food or water dish is. I snuggle her and everything else, but you know, this is what I signed on for with an elder dog. Wow. You're amazing. She's she's been in my life since 2012. Okay. So Yes. Yeah, that's so good on you. And for doing that, that's just amazing, amazing gift 
to give to the animal. So, all right, Amy, let's talk about your story. Um, I too am really into 12 steps. I've been in recovery a long time and it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Like we don't just stop going. I, I I'm still going after so many years, but tell me, how did you figure out that you were an alcoholic? What was it like? And how did you get into the rooms? Oh, it's so interesting. So my very first exposure to uh, recovery AA per se was when I was a kid growing up on Long Island and I would see these commercials of a guy slumped down in a trench coat in a chair and the voiceover would say, if you think you have a problem with alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous. And so that's what I thought AA was. And I really kept that picture in my mind. Um, You're never so, going to be one of those trench coats slumped over. <laughs> not yet. Oh, God. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Thank God. Um, but, you know, fast forward through partying, lots of denial, you know, drank a lot in college. Uh, and it would be like intense pockets of drinking. But when I hit my 30s, I turned into a daily wine drinker. Mm-hmm. And the progression of the disease really showed itself, but I was not able to see that. And I had created a, a sculpture. I've been an artist since, well, I think I've really been an artist my whole life, but I really didn't start nurturing it until my adult years. Mm-hmm. And this one particular sculpture I created was this um, rectangular clear box filled with wine corks with mannequin arms coming out and red hair coming out. And it was called self-portrait. I can stop anytime I want. And I was in a gallery with show with the art piece standing next to a drinking wine. And a woman came up to me. Her husband had work in this particular show. And she said, Amy, because she looked at me and looked at the sculpture and looked back at me. Do you think you have a problem with alcohol? And my jaw dropped. I was like, what? No, this is, this is. No, I can stop anytime I want. that's the name of the piece. This right? is this is whimsy. This is nothing but whimsy. Wow. And uh, she was like, well, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you ever want help, please, I'm here for you. Wow. Good for well, her. What nerve she had. Right. I was, I was like, oh, I can't believe it. What I'm, I, I, I have a job. I don't live under a bridge. How could I be an alcoholic? <laughs> yeah. Well, you fast forward six months and my husband was actually, we weren't married yet, but he was um, about to go to meetings. He was like, we were fighting. We were drinking a lot. He's like, I'm going to try going to, going to a meeting. And so I said, okay. And while he was going to, I'm like, okay, while he's gone, I can walk down to hot tomatoes and have some wine and then get back. (sighs) So he leaves and I didn't go anywhere, but 20 minutes later, he came back with two magnums of wine and said, oh, I, boy. I couldn't find the meeting. Again. Oh boy. The next night, same deal, you know, because it was like, repeat. This oh, that's what never, we do. Yeah. That's yeah. never going to happen again. And then it repeats itself. Um, so the next night he says, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go, I'm going to try again. I'm like, oh, good for you. You know? And then I'm thinking, okay, I'm back to that hot tomatoes plan. I'm going to go down to hot tomato. But there was this little moment of clarity where it's like, I saw it. I saw what I was saying to myself. And I said out loud to him, oh, wow. I was just thinking about going to get some wine while you were gone. Maybe, maybe, could I come with you? Maybe I should go too. 
Yeah. And he said, absolutely. And so my first meeting was in Glastonbury. It was a speaker meeting. And I was floored when I walked in there and saw so many people well-dressed. The speaker was a corporate guy. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. Maybe these are my people. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And that was in December of 2009. And I jumped in with both feet, 90 meetings in 90 days, did it again, did it again. But I didn't believe in the steps and working them. I didn't think I needed to. Okay. I thought I could just sit near people in recovery and that would just rub off on me kind of thing. A little resistant. And the other big thing was I went to meetings with my husband. And so meetings were kind of like date night for us. Oh. So I did not connect with other women. I didn't have my program. Yeah. Yeah. He was a bit of a shield for you. Mm -hmm. And And how was he doing? Was he liking it and working his stuff? And did he get a sponsor? We both had sponsors, but we both just did meetings. See, I didn't understand there was a difference between the fellowship and the program and that I needed both. You know, I only had two legs of the stool because I was doing service. I did have the sponsor, but I didn't have that third leg of working the program because I would read like the step book in a meeting, the 12 and 12. And I would think, yeah, uh, no, I don't have any resentments. Oh yeah. I apologized to this person when I was a jerk. Like I just didn't. And I had a really stark lesson in that because I stopped going to meetings. And I remember the last meetings when I said, I would hear people say meeting makers make it and like, doesn't apply to me. I already know I'm never going to drink again. I'm already committed to it. So I don't have to do this. Mm. And I would, let's see, it was probably within three months I was drinking again. Okay. So you started going to AA, you went to meetings, you listened, but you, you weren't doing any of the work. Nope. You weren't really calling your sponsor and working on your stuff. You just went with your husband. I called my sponsor, but I did not work the steps, not Mm -hmm. the way they're outlined in the big book. And there was, you know, I was doing just barely enough to scrape by. And someone had said, Oh, you know, you're, you're, you're well over a year. You're, or actually, I think I just gotten two years and that you, you know, you really should speak at this meeting. And so I never went back to that meeting (laughs) because I was like, I, I don't, what am I going to talk about? I didn't have the, you didn't didn't know your story yet. I did. Right. All right. So you had um, a relapse and did you find out pretty quickly? Was it like, did it last a long time or was it just one it night? It lasted a long time. Okay. It like lasted, a- it la- lasted, uh, two years. Okay. So there you, there's some time to get some more progression, right? Oh yeah. And, and when I first, re- when I first had the relapse, it was like a bottle of wine and my husband relapsed with me because oh. I said, why don't we get some wine and watch a movie? And he said, okay. Oh and, my goodness. Yeah. And, and it was, <laughs> it was quite a trip. The thing that brought me back in was um, back into recovery. We um, were getting ready to go into our third season at the retreat center. And we had just finished breakfast. We had a helper there. Um, I had gotten smashed the night before. And so I was a little hungover and I smelled smoke. And I was like, what is that smell? We don't have the wood stove on. The house was on fire. Oh, boy. So literally my house was on fire. I mean, you, I couldn't have asked metaphorically two by four. <laughs> from the universe. Yes. Wow. Everybody got out safe, but our, 
but our place was condemned. Our business was shut down. Oh. It was, a, and my drinking went off the rails for the next almost month. You used it to cope. Yep. I sure did. And, and that's what brought me to my knees. Okay. And then you, you finally surrendered, surrendered and yeah. realized this is not going to get any better. It's well, only getting worse. And the weird thing was, so I was not uh, expecting to come back into recovery because I wasn't looking at it again. I, I, as soon as I picked up again, I slapped those blinders back on. So I wasn't looking. Yeah. And I wasn't willing. One of my Facebook friends had just posted the number six as her status. And I knew what she was talking about. She was talking about her sixth year of sobriety that she uh -huh. was sober for six years. And in that moment, I was contemplating, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm going to get my dog and get my stuff and get in the car. And I'm going to drive to California. I'm going to leave my husband. I'm not going to, I can't do this anymore. And I saw that number and I was like, oh, so I reached out to my friend, Christine, who I knew was long-term sobriety. And I said, Chris, I'm ready to quit. Like, I just can't, I'm, I can't drink. I can't not drink. What am I going to do? You're the only person I could think to call. And she said, it's so interesting. You're calling me right now. I'm speaking tonight at a women's meeting. I haven't spoken in 12 years. Will you come? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, guess I'm not getting out of this one. And wow. that was the start of my real path to recovery. Wow. That's mm -hmm. so wonderful. Okay. So now you're in recovery, you're committed, you must be working it a whole different way. And you got into the real deep, who is Amy? What, it, what is it you have to um, offer to the world, to yourself? And, and you started working the steps. Am I right? I did. I got okay. a temporary sponsor first at my home group at the time that didn't work out. We were only together for about three weeks. Um, not the right fit. And I had I nine sponsors in my first year. So <laughs> one of them was a guy, you know, it, you, you just got to go through as many as you need to go through till you find the one. And I didn't even get into the part of my story during the first leg where I switched sponsors and then that sponsor went out and then encouraged oh, me wow. to go out. Like there was a whole other story. <gasps> I mean, there's so many stories we've got, right? Mm. We've got all the stories. But so I reached out to a woman that had what I wanted. And I said, things aren't working out with my temporary sponsor. I really admire what you do. And I know you probably are too busy, but can you recommend anybody? for me. And she said, Amy, I've been waiting for four years for me to ask for you to ask oh. me to sponsor you. She was <laughs> had my, her eye on me in the first leg of my sobriety. And so she said, yes. And I jumped right in with, with her. And I was working my fourth step within a few months of being back, which was exactly what I needed. And what were some of the changes that you saw in your in your life, in your, in your personality and in your lifestyle, um, were you working a separate program? You weren't like using Dow as your big confidant for everything, right? You had another support system outside of him. Good. Yes. The recovery became so, it was such a different experience because I had a network of women. My sponsor had 10 other sponsees. So we would have go to dinners at her house. We'd go to meetings together. You know, it was like, I had this automatic group support. And some of those women I 
deeply connected with and others not as much, but it still felt like a solid network. And my husband was doing his own thing. And I really got that I had to focus on myself. I needed feeling. And my sponsor was amazing in bringing me through it, bringing me through the fourth step, one column at a time, the way it's outlined in the big book, not giving me too much at once so that I get overwhelmed and set it down. So I really found that approach to be very effective. That's so so good. So good. So probably if you're like most of us first year or two, we grow, we expand, we just, our eyes are opened so much changes. And then we start um, really either developing in another way. So I'm, I'm guessing that even though you had a lot of um, in your career, I'm talking about, you have a bachelor of fine arts and communication arts you have with a specialization in public relations and uh, a master of arts in conscious evolution, which I love the name of that from the graduate Institute and a certificate in holistic health was all of that before or after you got sober and how, um, has it really sobriety enhanced your career? Let's talk about that. Wow. Well, the bachelor's was before Mm -hmm. that was in my twenties, uh, right out of high school. I went straight from my BFA. The master's in conscious evolution came while I was, it started while I was, before I came into sobriety. And then I was sober by the time I completed that. And when I went into the health coaching certificate, I was into my first leg of sobriety. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because while I was at the Graduate Institute studying conscious evolution, I went to, we were on summer week, so it was a week intensive and I went and was so hungover at this lunch that we had. I literally couldn't eat and had to put my head down on the table. Oh my. And it was horrifying. And so I'm taking this, this, this course, this intensive course that shows the link between art and consciousness that shows the development of the human mind over time. And, and here I am spiraling in my mm. disease, but, but things aligned and the way it happened was just so, so perfect for what needed to happen in my story. In retrospect, it was, it was definitely divine order and good timing. Yeah. Okay. I love mm. that. Perfect divine right order. And that really is like the answer to everything, right? Knowing that all of this is happening I wouldn't, I don't even know if I, for, for my highest good is always what I want to say, right. It's, yeah. it's happening necessarily for a purpose. Cause really nothing has any meaning except for what we give it. Would you That's agree? Right. I mean, absolutely. It's yeah. all the story that we tell and, and so much of it is spiritual progress. And when I think about career, I do so many different things in the world, especially back when I had the retreat center and there's so many layers to it with the art business, with the Mm -hmm. retreat center. I do consulting with the entrepreneurial center at the university of Hartford. So I do marketing consulting and content consulting, and that's what I'm working on now. But I think that my spiritual life feeds into my professional life because I learn about things like acceptance and life on life's terms and doing the next right thing 
and being open and keeping my heart open. Even when I don't like what somebody else is doing, I can still learn loving kindness towards them. And some of that comes to my spiritual practice over the past couple of years, because my sobriety changed immensely when the pandemic hit. Oh, tell me more. Why? So it was March 13th, 2020. And I was living at the retreat center in Eastern Connecticut and the world was starting to shut down. And yes. I reached out to a all friend. the retreat centers, I'm sure shut yeah. down. Yep. Yeah. And, and we had already been, um, we hadn't opened for that season yet. So it was, and we were planning on at that point, selling the property for a whole lot of other reasons. So we were already kind of in that direction. Um, but when things started shutting down, I called my friend, Nicole, who I knew from live meetings in that area. And I said, Hey, everything's shutting down. You want to start a zoom meeting? And she said, what's zoom. Yeah. <laughs> but because we're both alcoholics within 24 hours, we had two meetings created 11 AM and 7 PM. Wow. And they're still going strong today. They're every day. Wow. Oh yes. my goodness. Yes. Good for you. And about a year in, you know, about 16 months into the pandemic, I was totally like, okay, I'm done organizing all this stuff. She and I were organizing everything. I need to step away. I'm still willing to do some service, but I can't do the big picture scheduling all the chair, co-chair, host, security people, coins, all that stuff. So another friend of ours, Lori took over for the coordination and she put us on intergroup. So now the meetings are international, which is really amazing. That is so awesome. Wow. Congratulations. That's a huge feat. Thank when, you. When my meeting Sunday morning meeting um, shut down, I was the one that stepped in and said, oh, let's just meet on Zoom. And I, you know, so I did that every Sunday and I thought that was big enough. Never mind two meetings a day, every single day, and then going on and on and on and on. No, right. after I did it for uh, 16, I think it was 16 months and June of 2021, we, we said, okay, we're back in the rooms and now I'm just back in the room. So, and just having recently got over COVID, I had it just a couple of weeks ago. It was not fun even though I had been vaccinated and boosted. Um, but, um, but I can, I'm glad I did that for 18 months because we really needed to protect Paul and stay safe and all of that stuff. So good for you for starting something that really is stuck. And now it's an international. That's amazing. Thank you. And, and the thing that really makes it amazing for me is that it gave me, the pandemic gave me a huge gift of a spiritual intensive because I was with these people and I, I actually sponsor two women that now both have over two years of sobriety okay. and they, they are what we called zoom babies. Yes. And now they're sponsoring women and, and to be in a meeting with someone every day, twice a day, there's something to be said about seeing them improve. Oh yeah. Watching them go from shaking and crying. I don't know how to stop to chairing hosting and sponsoring other people is just like a miracle. I have a zoom baby too. So I, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I am so proud of her. I, and she's chairing meetings and she's got a year and a half now. And awesome. after, yeah, it, it, it is so rewarding and so fulfilling. And, and it makes us, it makes us remember too, right. What it was really like and how full immersion, like you said in the beginning. So I go to, I went to meetings every day, um, like 90 and 90. 
and then another 90 and 90, and then another 90 and 90. And I remember getting sober in Texas and when I was 24 years old and I was just going to meetings every day and there was clubs there. They had meetings running like two or three a day or four, even a day. And there was always people there, somebody getting coffee in between meetings that there was somebody to talk to. And I moved back to Connecticut when I had about a year and a half of sobriety. And I remember hearing in the rooms, oh, it's not, yeah, you got to go to 90 and 90. I'm like, uh, don't you mean 365 and 365? <laughs> like, what do you mean 90 and 90? That's so stupid. But right. here it was different because there wasn't whole recovery clubs. There are definitely some now, but there was just like meeting churches uh, and basements of churches, like on Tuesday and Wednesday, and it'd go to a different place on Thursday and a different place. So you needed a meeting book and everything else. Now you don't need any of that. You can just download the big book app and boom, you got tons of meetings you can go to like right now. If you're sitting in a, if you're sitting stranded in an airport somewhere or whatever is happening and you don't, you know, you don't feel, you feel what we call thirsty. You can just yeah. dial in, you can just dial it right in and boy, it's been a, it's been a real saving grace, hasn't it? So it sure has. And the other thing that I did was, so I had made this sort of push to myself in 2021 that I needed to really up my game when it came to meditation. Oh, tell me. Yeah. So I committed to meditating with the little insight timer app every day for the month of May in 20, or actually I think it was March of 2021. And so I did, and I kept that going at the same time, a friend of mine told me about her meditation group called Mindkind, which she invited me to, there was like a potential job and I was looking at that. So I went to try it out. I didn't wind up going for the job completely, but I did fall in love with the group. So now I practice with a group, Mindkind Meditation, oh. which is fantastic. And it's a regular practice now. And then this year I said, I have to up my prayer game because I really want to practice that 11th step. And, and I think it's part of all the steps. So I started practicing more prayer and I used to think, oh, I don't pray. I don't pray. And I would come down to myself and then I'm like, catch myself saying the serenity prayer. Wait a minute. I am. I just didn't know it. You know, I, those are, those are words and there's some great prayers that, you know, I, of course I learned in, in religion and I've also learned in, by reading the big book, but now you get to a certain part where when you're just conscious and mindful, your whole life is a prayer. You don't have to pray for anything. You now have an open heart. You're empathetic. You're giving to others and you're living life in a way that is giving back because we have a second chance and it makes everything so much more beautiful and heartfelt. I, I'm going to give you an example. Um, so often I see you know, you hear about road rage and people cutting in front of you and people get so mad. And, and today somebody, I was at Costco shopping and somebody cut right in front of me. Like they just didn't even see me. I don't know. And I slammed on my brakes and I was just laughing. I'm like, what a strange reaction. Like I, 
because I know it was a mistake. Nobody would just pull out in front of you like that. My reactions are so completely, totally different now than they were years and years ago when I still had all this angst stuffed in me. But over the years, I've been able to feel all this stuff and hardly anything triggers me anymore. It really doesn't. Sometimes bad customer service triggers me, but mostly it, I'm okay. Yeah. I so love that. And really, I, prayer. I, I it, it totally is. And I feel like we can practice the way we respond as long as we become conscious of what we're doing and saying instead of that automatic trigger. So yeah. I had a similar thing where I was at a spring getting water and someone pulled up right behind me with their car and I'm out there filling up my water and um, they're smoking and the smoke is wet. And I'm like, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to go over there. And I start walking towards the car and the person waves down their window. And I said, good afternoon. If you only have one bottle, do you want to sneak in here? I have a few to, and I was just totally kind to them instead. Uh -huh. Oh no, thanks. That's great. I have a bunch. That's have a nice, have a nice day. I'm like you too. And I walked away. I was like, who just did that? Who was that? <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, and for a while, every time I felt like I wanted to give somebody the finger in the beginning of my sobriety, like on the road or whatever. Um, I remember one time that happened where somebody cut in front of us, my girlfriend was driving and she gave him the finger and he was really affronted. It was an older man and he just took off doing his business, whatever. And we arrived at the place. It was a, it was a, um, new year's Eve party. We arrived at the place. These are sober people. Now I'm in sobriety and we walk in and guess who's guess whose father was the, you know, the, the host who was giving the party his father was the man that, that cut out in front of us that she'd flipped him the bird. And he gave her such a talking to, <laughs> and I realized I'll never do that again because you know what, that's just somebody's father or it's somebody's right. brother or it's somebody's mother. It's, it's just, you know, we have to start thinking like that. We're all part of the whole. Right. And when I'm reacting, that's really about me. That's me and fighting with my mind, fighting with other people in my mind. You know, I need to check my reactions. See yeah. How I want to be in the world. Right. And so we, we do, we have to become better people and sobriety or recovery uh, certainly does make us that there's no um, going back now, right? There's no more, oh, I could have another relapse. No, it's just like, this is a way of life and a style of living. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up, Amy, but is there anything else, another uh, message that you want to give to our listeners and also tell them where they can reach out to you if, if they want to know more about your art or anything that you do? Sure. Well, remember that woman that came up to me in the gallery? Yes. Okay. So she planted that seed. I was celebrating my first anniversary at my home group and it used to be the Vietnam vets meeting in Hartford. And I, they always made a big hoopla about anniversaries and coins. And I went up to get my coin and I looked in the audience and that woman had long since moved away, but she was there. Huh? An and angel. so I got to thank her for my sobriety, for planting that seed. And that's how it's been for me all along this path. If I'm willing to take a look, I can see these little miracles, these little blessings, these little God winks of my higher power saying, Hey, are you paying attention? Cause this is pretty cool. <laughs> and, and, and I would just say to anybody that's struggling, don't listen to your mind. Listen to your heart. 
and mm. trust the process because it does get better. And if anybody wants to learn more about my artwork or check out the book I wrote or any other things, my website is amylabossier.com. Perfect. I have put all of your links in the show notes. And, and is there also a link that we could put in there to the Zoom AA meetings that you started? Yes, I'll be happy to give you those. Okay, perfect. Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story and your spirit and your strength with us today. I really appreciate you. Thank you, Maureen. I appreciate you too. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your friends. You can visit us at EmergeLeadershipAcademy.com to take the quiz to find out what animal best represents your leadership style. And until next week, remember, you have so many leadership skills that you learned in recovery. Stop hiding because your contribution matters.